Hi there. Thanks for joining me and my special guest today for episode number 29 of the Sports Stories podcast. We are coming towards the end of series three, and I do hope you have enjoyed the insights and valued the inspiration you have gained. I have certainly enjoyed sharing them with you. Today's guest is Emma Brunning. We're in for a treat. Emma has worked in many countries around the world as a coach and a coach developer, as well as for the International Triathlon Union. She currently runs her own business in the most beautiful setting in the Lake District. What I'm looking forward to is her insight and connection back to her teenage years and early adulthood. I'm also looking forward to a dose of Emma's positivity and energy. So before we get started, grab a pen or a place you can make some notes and sit back and enjoy. Also, don't forget to let me know your takeaways via the website and usual social channels after the show. There'll be more information at the end of the pod. So here we go. I would like to give a very warm welcome to my special guest, internationally respected triathlon coach, outdoor adventurer, energy giver, and the founder of Active Blue, based in the beautiful Lake District, Miss Emma Brunning. Emma, it's really great to have you on the Sports Stories podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm really excited about our conversation today because, you know, I haven't known you very long, but I do know you've got a really varied background from working in education, running your own business, you know, working in L&D and in some of the corporate world as well. And I'm just so excited to find out a little bit more about you. And obviously what the Sports Stories podcast is, is about, you know, hearing people's stories and their journeys through sport. Um, can we kick off really by you just giving us a bit of an insight into how you got into sport at, at a young age? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Dave, for first inviting me on. Um, so my, my background in sport, I was one of those kids that sort of got involved in every sport possible in school. And so I was like involved in every like team sport from basketball to volleyball. Um, but my real passion, I guess, even at a very young age was to be outdoors. So anything that involved the environment, like being in the sea, swimming, surfing, sailing, canoeing, anything to do with the outdoors was, I, I guess, was my true passion. Um, I then, I started coaching at a fairly young age as well. I guess I started coaching when I was really, really young, but I got my first formal qualification at 16 in kayaking. And I was super shy, Dave, as a kid, like really, really shy. And I remember thinking, what are people going to learn from me? I was a 16-year-old young girl in an environment at the time that it was very male-orientated and dominated. And I remember thinking, well, after I passed that, going, what can I offer? What can I offer? And actually, what I became very good at, I guess, from lacking self-confidence or self-esteem at that young age was actually I learned to listen. Um, I learned to observe a lot as a young coach. I, I learned the importance of asking questions um, and building that rapport. So my early days in sport, I mean, I didn't stop playing sport. I did like 20... 25 hours of sport a week <laughs> but I was so so passionate and I think at that age it was my way of being creative it was my way of expressing myself um, it was my outlook to life and exploration I think true like in my heart of hearts I'm sort of an adventurer and an explorer not only of people but of the world and our natural world right. 
And where does that adventure come from then? Oh, I have no idea. I think it might have been from my grandparents. Oh. My grandma was, a, was an explorer and she travelled the world and, um, and so was my granddad. So I, I believe it was from them. I mean, my mum's earliest memories that she tells of me was we used to live above my dad's shop and she was like, you were an absolute nightmare, Emma. If, if the windows were ajar or the door was slightly open, I was out. <laughs> and there were four of us kids. So imagine they're like, one, two, three, where's Emma gone? Where's Emma gone? Um, so I just had that, that absolute deep connection with our environment from a very, very young age. And you mentioned they're getting into coaching at a very young age as well. What, what drew you to become a coach at such a young age? What was that all about? I think I've always, I've always had this passion to support people's goals and dreams. Right. And I think I like to explore what people can do and what they can achieve in life. A lot of people talk about their goals and their aspirations but I believe people are quite fearful to take that step due to that they're fearful of failure. And I thought, I think even from a very, very young age, I saw the potential in most people. I think my shyness as a young girl enabled me to see more than, uh, or see and hear more than what people actually expressed. Yeah. So, you know, I was call myself an observer of people and you know, people might talk about the challenge they want to do or the adventure they want to go on uh, or the goal they want to achieve. And by them telling me that, I would see so much more. You know, the subtleties of their body language or their communication, the way they speak or uh, the subtleties of face change, like in temperature and stuff like that. So, so I started to really understand people and get to know not only what they say, but sort of what they express within themselves as well. Where did you pick that up from then? Is that just something you, you evolved and learnt along the way? Or is that something you, can, you trained yourself in, do you think? I don't think I trained myself knowingly in that. Yeah. And I think that came from my biggest weakness when I was growing up with being just underconfident, like I've said before, uh, and, and that very shy person. But I think it came from just, yeah, just observing, observing situations, sitting back, not, not needing to say stuff. I mean, I would say stuff if I needed to, but just sort of watching. So I, I want to pick up on that shyness idea because, you know, I'm also conscious that there's lots of us out in the world that have play with that idea of, you know, introvert and extrovert, or I need to be out there, or I'm shy, or I'm quiet, and the power of that. How did you manage that then to, um, you know, when you were a coach and you felt, gosh, I'm a, I'm a, am I shy? How do I use that as, a, as an attribute or, or overcome it even? Mm. I'm not sure I have totally, even right. now. Uh, I would love to say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm confident in every single situation. And I think we often talk in sport about imposter syndrome and that we don't feel like we should be here. How have we got to this point? And I mean, oh my gosh, I'm so privileged uh, to work with the people I do and do the things I do all across the world. I, don't, I, I think it's just been over time. It's strategies that you put in place to 
to I think it's time and experience really so over time and the experiences you have you learn to go actually I held that conversation really well that project went well um, my athlete achieved their goal and over many years you sort of start developing that confidence and that self-esteem I mean I wasn't like I'm not like that all the time it's just fleeting moments especially when I'm I've been talking even before I'm 20 here so fleeting moments that I was just, you sort of doubt yourself. And the other things that I really got good at is saying yes to things. So being that explorer that I, I sort of expressed earlier, if I got an opportunity, rather than saying no, I would say yes. And so I put myself in very uncomfortable positions from a very, very early age. So I always had this level of anxiety or nervousness. So I grew with that. That's actually quite normal. And I think from that, I learned strategies to deal with that sort of like just breathing or meditation or mindfulness or looking into the big picture of actually your fantasies in your head, even if they happen, they won't be so bad. So it's sort of bringing it back down to, to grounding yourself. And, I, and, and all these things were things I was never taught particularly. I sort of just got used to doing, to doing them to control that anxiety. It's brilliant though, because I'm listening in here and it seems like there's a real tension actually between you know that shyness and me not putting myself forward and not believing in myself, yet taking big risks and actually putting myself out there and exposing myself and being very adventurous and doing daring things. And oh, it, it sounds like there's the, the nearly the, the polar opposites, which is fantastic, isn't it, in terms of how you've grown yourself out of it, really, or taking yourself on? I absolutely agree. My life... I guess even at those early years was such a contradiction because my passion, desire, um, drive for life was enormous. My energy was enormous. And then my, what didn't quite fit was that kind of unconfident or shy or low self-esteemed little girl that it just, those two didn't fit, but I wouldn't, there was something in me, Dave, that wouldn't let that shy little girl um stop exploring so rather than say no which i could have in so many occasions say no to these opportunities i said yes all the time so go on and tell us what did you say yes to and where did that take you because i see that as a real you know real concrete strategy for guys that are listening in is to you know this was something that really helped you overcome challenges and obstacles you said yes and then worked it out by the sounds of it you know yeah i i i definitely i just worked it out as i went along so i guess from when I was 18, I, I was living in a flat at the time and I packed that up and decided I was going to go and work in Australia. And I went over to Australia because one, I could get a visa for a year, but two, there were so many amazing sporting coaches, sporting coaches out there. That, and I thought, what if I had an opportunity to work with the best and learn from the best? So I was meant to go over on a visa, then you're meant to have like a thousand, two thousand pounds in your bank account. I remember I had like 300 pounds in the account going, I've really got to get a job the next day. Taking risks again, hey, Anna. <laughs> again, again. <laughs> um, true. Uh, yeah, so I landed in Australia and the next day I got a coaching job, coaching swimming, interestingly enough. Um, and that year was just transformational for me. I got jobs working with some high performance coaches. I got jobs doing things like grading onions in a factory. I got, you know, that year, I mean, I'm, I'm 18 still. So it was a year that was just fundamental. 
From there, I got an opportunity to go and work in America, working in a community with, with adults that had learning difficulties. And that was absolutely remarkable. I mean, that taught me so much. So now I'm, I'm 1920 at this time. And I lived in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And my job was to get them moving. So get these people, get get the community out into the outdoors, take them climbing, take them walking, take them snowboarding, whatever they were capable of doing or whatever they wanted to do. So we had people in wheelchairs, abseiling off cliffs. I mean, it was fantastic. It was amazing. And it was such an awesome opportunity. Yeah. And from those, sort of those 18, 19, 20 years, what was the greatest learnings you took from that, do you think, looking back? from those experiences? Um, to be non-judgmental, I think. Right. I worked with this, I've got a great story here of this chap called Robert that I worked with. And he was severely autistic and he had no way of uh, communicating verbally. Yeah. And everyone spoke to him as if he was stupid or they, he, they, they spoke to him in a way, you know, you would think is really disrespectful. Anyway, we installed this computer system. This is a beautiful story, and it's one that I, I would often sort of share and tell. We installed this computer system and taught him how to use it. And because of his motor skills weren't great either, he was busy typing away, typing away, and we were wondering what, what he was actually sort of typing. And then actually when he finished, he was prepared to show, show us all. And it was a letter to all of us explaining you know, just because he can't, communicate in the way that we're used to that don't judge people that they might not be able to understand or um, be open to different methods of communication and I think you know as a young 20 year old then I was like yeah you're, you're so right we can't be judgmental of those people that don't communicate in the same way as us and it and it, it it's kind of affected my life like ever since because you know you come across someone that potentially isn't very articulate or they struggle with sentence structure or whatever it be and it can be for so many different reasons so it's just about being patient and listening and just learning who that individual is and what support they may need amazing you know it's and a small little story and experience how that's as you say formulated and driven and fed into your philosophy going forward in terms of who you are and how you work yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, the thing is, I work with big squads now of people. Let's say, like Sunday, I'm working with a group of 30. And for each of those people, I know them individually in terms of how do I communicate with them? How do I work? What motivates them? What doesn't? What will turn them on? What will turn them off? What are their goals? And so I learned from a very young age that individuality is vital for success if you're working with people. Where did you go with that then? How, do, how did that inform the next part of your journey? You know, the area around communication and, and seeing you as an individual. So I guess what, from a very young age, I had this experience of working with a rugby development officer called Sam Clues. And he took me when I was 13 around the country coaching rugby. I loved it. I was like, that's what I want to do as a job. And so when I was back going, going off a few years, when I was back in the U USA, I thought I've got to go and get a degree because a lot of the people were like, you'll only, you'll only uh, get to that point if you have a degree under your belt. So I then went to, um, I came up to the Lake District where I live now 
and I did my undergraduate degree, which was fantastic, and that was sort of in the outdoors and development training. I then got a job working at Braithay Hall Trust, and that's a, a charity that works with youth at risk. Um, uh, so I and corporate clients, so I got a great opportunity to work with sort of a real vast variety of people. Again, talk about learning. I worked with sort of young people self-harming to gangs um, and then worked with sort of corporate clients. So the amount of experience I was exposed to and the amount of uh, memories I created was enormous. Um, after that, I worked at a university for five years. Right. So. A real mixed, real mixed experiences here, though, from kind of corporate, outdoors, university. You know, it sounds like you were moving quite a lot. Is there a theme in there in terms of changing what you do, or, or was this quite planned, do you think? No, not, no. What was really interesting, Dave, is that although they were like five-year gaps, so I was, okay. I was working, this wasn't over a period of a year or so. These were all of these projects. I worked for these guys for five years. Okay. So I felt ready to move on when I moved on okay I felt like I'd got to a point where I was like embraced and explored what there was to explore in that area I know there's always areas to carry on but I was ready for the next step when I moved on to to let's say from Braday to the university yeah um and then from there I the university restructured and they offered me a job, but it was like uh, a few hours drive away. And I thought, right, this is my opportunity to set up my own coaching business. But just before we come to your coaching business, you know, again, a lot of people that I'm speaking to are really playing with the idea of qualifications and education as, a, as an avenue. And I'm really curious as to what it was that sent you down the university route into that into that system from a you know an outdoors organization where it seemed to be that's your passion so what, what was it that drove you or steered you in that direction well i would actually say all the work i've done is around um developing people okay so actually i would say the coaching the working in america the working in australia my degree brave with like uh, people people development the outdoors, I work in arts and crafts, everything was about how do we support these people to learn? How do we make them lifelong learners? How do we awaken their creativity? How do we stimulate them? How do we provoke them to be curious and engage? And so, although it might sound I've done lots of different jobs, I see it as I've always done the same job. So my, my sole purpose, I think, in life is about how do I get people to be, or how do I support people to make the right decisions for themselves and, and take that right path, whenever that might be? And I think every single job since I was probably 16 has been doing that. So th I think the context might look different, yeah. but the actual what I'm doing behind the scenes is exactly the same. And I'm still doing that now. I wouldn't say that's changed. Mm -hmm. What about you then, if we turn that back to you, how, how have you taken some of that medicine yourself and how have you applied it to you in terms of making the best out of you? And what's your story around that? So my story is, is it's, it's fairly interesting in that it hasn't always been super, super easy. Um, when I was 
26, 27, I was involved in a, a, a road traffic accident. I was out on my bike training. So I sort of had an identity at the time as an athlete. I was being like, a, uh, I was racing in triathlon and I was racing on the track. So I love being down on the track in Manchester. Um, Oh, it's so it was so exciting I absolutely was hooked it was like my life well I thought I thought it was and I was out on a training ride one evening and I got hit from a car from behind uh, they basically had made a bad judgment call on some of our roads and they rather than um, we, I was turning right into my driveway at the time so I was imagining that you're like right in the middle of the road track stand and turning right the car just needed to undertake a sort of slow down, but they overtook and it was a really inexperienced driver, unfortunately, just passed its test. And actually, when we found out later that he had overtaken another three or four cars on blind corners, so no one was surprised that, um, that he'd collided with someone. Unfortunately, it was me. Um, from that accident, I had a, I'd sustained like, lots of injuries uh, but my main thing I struggled with after that was I had a brain injury so what I struggled with was word finding um, massive amounts so I would know what an object is let's say but I wouldn't be able to say it so I might see a banana and think oh I really fancy that banana but I wouldn't be able to go I would like that banana it would come out as totally the wrong thing so my intelligence level was there and I knew everything that was going on but I just couldn't explain it so imagine how frustrated you'd be as a young mid-twenties going oh my goodness I can't even speak I can't put a sentence together if I if I made a sentence it it didn't make sense at all and you were what, mid-twenties, you say, at that stage? Mid-twenties, yeah. yeah, it was like, yeah, oh. that was 16 years ago now. Um, I, I suffered memory loss, uh, fatigue. I, I had this really weird thing of, like, temperature issues and loss of sensation. So, as an outdoor lover, imagine that you go for a bike ride, and part of the love of your bike ride is the wind on your skin, and suddenly that's gone. You don't... You don't even realize what you appreciate in life until it it goes and that's often what we say isn't it is we don't mm. actually appreciate what we have in our life until you lose it so suddenly even the loss of sensation and skin and uh, i was like wow i don't know why i'm not enjoying life so much or exploring things so much and whatever it be and i just didn't realize the impact of word finding would have on me, fatigue would have on me, memory loss, loss of sensations. Um, so I think the accident itself, at the time you just get through, you manage and you get through, and you just see your recovery very slowly on a day-to-day -day basis. And it did take a very, very long time. Um, and then you realize you've potentially lost your identity and at the time, I thought, especially as a mid-20-year-old, I thought my identity was wrapped up in my job, was wrapped up in my sport, was wrapped up in things that actually don't really matter. I mean, what, and I mean by that, what really matters to me now is that I'm a good person. I enjoy what I do for the people around me. Yeah, but it mattered uh, to you back then, I guess, the, the identity of the sport and, you know, the job. Totally, I felt yeah. 
I think it was probably a few years later that I felt like I had lost everything. And I did. I lost the role that I was working in at the time because I was unable to do it. Um, Gosh. I bring in my partner, my boyfriend at the time, who it wasn't totally because of that. I mean, he was absolutely amazingly supportive. I couldn't say a bad word against him. He was fantastic. He, he actually taught me a lot about care and love and support and like things that were fundamental for my recovery. And, and I think, you know, I had to rebuild myself as a human and, and what I believed I wanted to be or where I believe my life was going to go, I think it shifted. But I, if I talk about this, I, I explain it as it is one of the best things that ever happened to me in life. It really was, Dave. It was like one of those fundamental moments that shifted me. And, and, and every day, and it has an impact on every single day I live now. And you mentioned this took a long time. You know, is that job done or is it still going? You know, the, the uh, recovery from it. The job is still going. I would say 10 years on. So we're at 16-ish years, I think now. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, 10 years, definitely, I was seeing significant changes. Like... Like I, uh, it was five years, I think, until I got the feeling in my skin back. And I was, I was walking on a mountain one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I can feel it again. And it was just like the most amazing, remarkable feeling. Those small things that you don't, you take for granted every day. I never take for granted now. How did that journey play out though? You know, talk me through how you managed yourself because, you know, lots of, again, lots of individuals listening and will go through different traumas of different sizes and shapes. But, you know, what were the steps that you took to help you on the way through that? Or what did you learn from that experience? I learned, I learned to be connected to the people that I love and loved me. Um, I learned to be connected to the things that gave me energy. So manage, when I was trying to manage fatigue, what was really interesting is that, let me put this in perspective, I could potentially be up for 10 minutes a day. So a brain injury means sleep. So I would sleep maybe, you know, 23 hours of the day and function for an hour and do one thing in a day. And that would be a phenomenal achievement. So I'm not talking... I was out and about roaming around and I had, I had a few word finding difficulties and some days that would be the case. Maybe I was roaming around, but the majority of time with brain injuries involved rest, recovery and facing into the things that, that you need to, to work on. So what, what actually helped me get through and strategies I had was, um, was sort of breaking down my day in terms of, step-to-step personal goals and personal achievements so I wrote a diary and and every week I would see what I managed to do in a week grow I mean this was stupidly small things it wasn't like wow okay I'm now running a marathon or I'm now doing this this was today I managed to walk to the post box and 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 deliver a letter and make it back uh And then the following week, it would progress a little bit more than that. And that would be my whole day. I'm not talking about that day and I had rest and then went and did something else. So it was like, I think, breaking breaking your recovery into small, achievable tasks. And I I think that relates very much to coaching. (laughs) If people want to achieve something, 
you're not going to go and jump into the end result. It takes years and years. And this took me 10 years. And I sometimes got the message from people that actually you're as good as you're going to get. Your speech is as good as you're going to get. And I couldn't structure a sentence sometimes. Um, and my word finding was still bad. And I thought, wow, is this going to be my future? But I just didn't believe it. And I kept working on things like my vocabulary and my speech. And I remember sitting with my speech therapist and uh, reading through the cat sat on the map book. And I was like, geez, is this my future? But I had to look beyond it and go, no, no, no. This is like my sporting world. This is how I coach people. It's just one step of my journey. And the journey is thousands of steps. And what's that coaching experience that you had from the sort of the 60s through to your mid-20s? Do you think that helped you understand the journey that you needed to take? Yeah, totally. I think everything that I've ever been through yeah. helped me with resilience, I mean, that year in, in America, working with all those guys out there, yeah. taught me so many skills about there's different ways of doing things. Just because one person or society says you have to do it like this, well, just be creative. Invent your new way, and that's okay. And you will mess it up loads, and people will laugh at you loads for having new ideas or creating new things. But actually, if it works for you in the long run, keep going with it and, and just get out there and do it. I think that's the thing with failure. I think you've got to start, that taught me, I guess my, my accident taught me, I've just got to keep failing and that's really amazing. And as long as I get up, it's what you, I think it's what you do with what happens to you that's important. So as long as I got up the next day and tried again, then I was succeeding. And I think, yeah, everything that I had learned before that accident supported that journey of recovery and then when you had a bad day because i'm sure there were many low parts in that period when you were really struggling did you have a strategy or a motto or a way of helping yourself to get back up again you know to keep moving forward yeah i think i learned about self-care so it was about being kind on yourself i mean i work with so many athletes and coaches now and a lot of the work I'll do with them is about being understanding yourself. So I work a lot with energy. So thinking about what actually fulfills you or what gives you energy in life. So let's say for me, it might be that I'll go and sit on a mountain or I'll go and sit on the lake. If anyone knows me, I'll probably be out on the lake three times a day. Um, but being around water is quite, uh, energy in for me yeah. so what i got really good at is some strategies that i work with people even now on in terms of what are the things that give you energy and what are the things that take energy and so what we need in life is a balance so those days i'd had a bad day i'd realized what had happened was that i'd probably been too ambitious potentially and i just emptied my energy tank a little bit too much and so what i learned was actually kindness and rest on the next few days or the next week or however long it needed to be all the energy and stuff that i needed like kind nurturing people around me or i'd go and sit on the lake again or whatever it be so i think what it's taught me going forward and within my business now is i think one of the most important things we can do for ourselves is understand what 
takes energy in our lives. So what do we get tired? What, when, what do we get most exhausted with? But then also what replenishes us or uh, enables us balance or gets us excited? And I think, I know life's really busy for people, mm-hmm. but if we can create those parts in our day, every day, I think, I think we'll be in a better mental space and mental health space as well, or I'd like to think. So my days, Dave, this is a great example. My diary is full of colour. Okay. So colour's really important to me as well. And so what I will do, I will look at my week-to-week tasks. So even now, because what I learned back then, I, I carry forward. Yeah. And so, it, so my diary is full of things that, that may take energy. And I have, let's say I have a meeting or I have something that I'm like, that's going to be quite intense or... Yeah whatever it be, but it's going to be tiring. And I know that that's the case. So afterwards, what I'll do is put a activity in or an energy in activity. Yes. So let's say I'll color that as a red, cause oh wow, that, that um, so my energy out thing, my meeting might be a red. It doesn't yeah. mean I don't enjoy it. It just means energy wise. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'll do next is make sure there's a green energy in aspect. So what I do is always manage that. So I hopefully leave my day feeling quite balanced. Yeah. And do you really pay a lot of attention to detail there and planning of that? So it is very structured. You know, I'm I'm thinking again in terms of those coaching principles, performance principles that actually, you know, you notice it if you don't plan it in. You know, so again, for people that are listening into this, this is something that you really consider at quite a deep level. Yeah, I do. Um, if anyone knows me, they, they often think I'm quite a free spirit and I roam the country and I go and explore and, and I do. And I am a free spirit and I am very creative with my thinking. And I, ha- I, ta- I still say yes to opportunities and I still go and do these amazing things around the world or around the country. And, but what enables me to do that is is the organisation, is the planning, is the structure behind it. So let's say uh, Monday I go off to Scotland for two weeks on, on exploring. Now, within those two weeks, I don't know what I'm going to do because that's my free time. And I'm like, Woo-hoo, let's just see. I've got, you know, I'm going to climb some mountains or go and play in the sea. But either side, this week's been quite intense because actually what I need to do is create everything I need for those weeks that I'm away because my business still runs and I need to make sure my coaches are supported and in place and but I also need to consider the week the two weeks the three weeks afterwards and all the work there so the only way I can be free both in my mind and physically for my two weeks to go and play without like this pressure of oh my gosh I haven't done this is to be so so organized so people often would perceive me as like yeah, I'm just going to off to do this and I'm just going to go and do that. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I am going off like that. But to do that, I have to be super organised and planned. And, and you just give a, a fantastic example for me, though, of that, what people might perceive as that contradiction, whereas, you know, planned is very rigid and not free. Yet actually the planning and the organization is in allow is allowing the freedom isn't it you know and i, I think this is where they're they're not contradictory actually they're complementary aren't they absolutely complementary let's say i'm unorganized and i don't get 
to everything I need in, or, well, planned for my time away, I, it will be there ticking away in my head to do these jobs in some way, but I'm not going to have any signal potentially. So it will always be in the back of my mind. So I won't have the freedom to go and just go and explore whilst I'm away for those two weeks. So it, it's essential to put these sort of organisational uh, parts of my life in place. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I love the idea of the energy of um, colours and how you've brought that in. Where, where do you see that going and what could be the possibility of that sort of work for, for people? So... My business I run now um, uh, is so it's, called, so it's called Active Blue, and that's been running for 10 years now. And um, within that, I coach people and I mentor coaches and athletes, and I do consultancy work. So I use sort of creative consultancy. So national governing bodies might come to me and go, Emma, could you redesign or restructure this program that we have? And because of the way I think, I guess. And because of the experiences I have and because of my international work, um, I think and see things probably fairly differently. So I think all these strategies that we've spoken about and, and they're just they're just sort of like skimming the surface here, Dave. But I use within my day to day work within coaching or with my mentor, my mentoring as well. So if we look at working with high performance or high performing coaches or high performance coaches, going back to the basics sometimes is really important of how do you manage yourself and keep yourself well because there's a massive burnout rate with coaches and so so sometimes we think it depends on what you class success as but if you class success as being <laughs> busy and working in high performance environments with as many athletes as you can but you're not looking after yourself there's no, there's no wonder that you're going to have that burnout. So it's actually going sometimes with these sort of coaches or people going back to the basics of how do you look after yourself on a day-to-day -day basis? How do you manage stressful situations? How do you, you know, anything, anything around that. I think it's about life skills. What gives you energy? What supports your learning? What environments do you work best in? What environments do you struggle with? So it's about self-awareness. So if we can gain self-awareness for people and then apply it in, <clears throat> excuse me, into their day-to-day -day jobs, I think that's really helpful. You, um, you take me to the place of how you're helping others and also I'm really reflecting on the, the journey that you've been in and how that's helped you create your self-awareness uh, and understand your energies and so on. Emma, could you summarise very quickly, I think, you know, you, you mentioned that um, your accident and that, that sort of time during those 20s, which for me is just such a phenomenal uh, story. What, what are the two or three key things that you would have pulled out? Because you said this was actually one of the best things that's happened to me, ironically. And I hope you take that in the right way, but it just feels like it's taught you such a lot. What has it really taught you that those, say, 10 years or six, the last 16 or so years? I think that life is precious and it's easy to say, you know, make the most of every minute and be in the, in the moment and all of that. But I do think life is short and life is precious. So it's sort of checking in now and again that you're on the right path and we all go off path. But if you know you're on the wrong path or you'd like to change that path, it might be courageous enough to take that step and 
take that step forward. I think, um, I think the appreciation of the people that love you and the, the support that you have around you. I mean, I definitely thrive on being in a community and having good people like supporters that, that, that tell you the truth, you know, they're, they're the people that will have those honest conversations of whether you're, you haven't done the right thing or they need a tough conversation with you as well as, oh, well done, that was a really good achievement or that, that looked brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure. So follow the right path or follow your path, be around the right people. And I would say, don't be afraid to mess things up or fail. I mean, I stuffed so much up and I embarrassed myself. Well, I thought I did a lot by like when I, when I had to learn to speak again or I was in front of a group, I was totally humiliated constantly where I felt I was, but I was like, right, okay, I've just got to get up the next day and do that. And I'm sure I made loads of bad decisions as well, but I just sort of, it is what you do with those moments in time that matter and what you do after those moments in time that matter. And was that an internal dialogue, do you think? Do you, you know, looking back now, do you think that was a reality or, or has the journey given you those, that, that mindset? I don't think that was the reality. I think I was doing extraordinary well, well, extraordinary yeah. well actually, to be honest. Yeah. I think just on reflection, I think, um, yeah, it's been sort of when you look back at things, I can kind of, I can kind of reflect a little bit easier on those moments. Hmm. So we've got the Emma now who's had this uh, amazing kind of journey and experience. What does the world look like going forward now? And what do you see as some of the big challenges that both you and the, and the, the, the world that you're working in, in terms of people development are really facing? Wow. Um, so I work with the ITU, so the International yeah. Triathlon Union. Now that's an interesting time for us at the moment because I usually, I'm traveling the world supporting coaches um athletes uh, i mean i'm away maybe a week every month um and that's an amazing role oh my gosh i miss it so much i didn't miss it for the first six months but i'm starting to go oh my gosh i miss our co seeing these coaches face to face and the countries and the, the opportunities that i get to be sort of immersed in i think they've got i think it's a tough time because what one of the projects we were chatting about with the itu is how do we put this online and how do we get the, the same impact of learning if we're doing it online? And I think there's potential to do that. I think there is opportunity to do that. So I think this, I see, I see coaching as sort of an art form. Yeah. And I'm like, how do we take that art form where a lot of it, like I explained, there's that shy little lemma, like the subtleties of seeing someone's face change or their eye movement or their body language that we might miss when we're online but how do we try and capture that whilst we're online or it's sort of some blended learning so that's that's the challenge at the moment with with what we're doing across the world um i think the same thing i work with british triathlon as well so i think we're talking about the similar sort of aspects with that they're doing a really good job yeah I'm not sure, Dave, what the answer is. Yeah. I think it's, it's, again, it's using that creativity. It's thinking out the box. It's looking at exploring different opportunities. And I think it is a great opportunity to go, is the way we've always worked the right way? Or 
could we potentially reinvent absolutely everything we've done? And that excites me. My little creative side in me is like, ooh, what could we be creating now? I love your approach, though, because, again, the world is as it is, and, but you're looking through that real positive, opportunistic sort of lens. But it also takes me back to your story from that shy, that shy Emma into that risk-taking one and the one that's looking at the, wow, I wonder what if and what could be and so on. And I just think it's a, a really interesting journey and story, actually, from that you know, quiet person through the experiences that you've had and the traumas that you've had and how you've managed that to actually how it really feeds you here today but not only for you but also those around you you know and how we bring that into the 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 development of others and i've been recently looking at some work around kind of uncertainty and safety and so on and i just think the world is quite an uncertain place at the moment but actually it often is you know there's always been some change going on not just now but you know there's always change going on and and how we can actually look at that change as a real opportunity for creativity, innovation, uh, excitement. And I just feel like your world's actually been created like that for, from day dot nearly. <laughs> I don't, for me, and I, I, and I have to respect everyone's going through a completely different sort of journey at the moment, but for me, it doesn't feel too much different. There's not yeah. too many differences. Potentially, I'm not seeing people like I've talked about before my international work quite so much, but we're doing it in a different way. Yeah. But from that, there has been so many more connections. I've met people in the last six months, I guess online, but I've met them that I just wouldn't have had the opportunity, Dave. So again, I think with every situation that comes my way, I think, how do we adapt? How do we be creative with it? And how do we apply it to our work? that we're doing now or does it even have to relate to the work we're doing now can we reinvent the wheel totally and look at things in a totally different way yeah. i do think the thoughts you have sort of affect your attitude and your beliefs and therefore your behaviors so so i think if we can think if we if if we were to support people to think slightly differently and that changes our outlook on our day which changed our behaviours of that day, you know, at the end of the day, you will get a different outcome. Well, Emma, I think there's some real gems there. And I, I would like to just narrow us down and ask you a, a few quick fire questions to, to give our listeners some, uh, some ideas or content which they could take from your guidance or your advice, but go and then apply into their environment. Because I think you've made it very clear to me through our conversation that, you know, you've picked up a lot about your story and how it's been relevant and it's worked for you and the importance actually about applying it and contextualizing it for yourself. Have you got any texts or books which have really helped you along your journey? And if so, how? Uh, yeah, so I'm listening, or I've just finished listening to a audiobook, Breaking the Habits of Being Yourself by Joe Dispenza. So that's, that's a book about, if you want to make change in your life, you have to do things differently. But you don't have to just physically do things differently. You have to think differently. So. So it's a really, really quite powerful book about taking responsibility. And you are responsible for, for the outcomes of your life. So therefore, I mean, it's, and that is fascinating. So yeah, uh, anyone that's looking for change or to support themselves or anything within their life, that's a good one to, to, to listen to or read. Um, I've read The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse. <laughs> Have you read that? Yeah, that's great, um, it's brilliant. It takes about five minutes to read. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think 
I'm all for simplicity. I'm like, yeah. we could talk in a really complex way about everything we've chatted about today. But if we can take a complex subject and make it simple, I think that's what this book kind of highlights. Um, the magic of metaphor. Uh, who, let me just have a little look on my bookshelf. Nick, Nick Owen, and it's about taking your experiences in life and talking about them, storytelling basically. So how do we take our experiences in life and tell a story that other people can connect and relate to? Because I think language is really, really important. If we use language, people don't understand, you've lost them. So it's about how do we connect people in a way that people understand and stories are so powerful to do that. Uh, the other one I would say is why we sleep. Matthew Walker, <laughs> you've probably heard that probably lots of people but do you know what that's the first time someone's mentioned it we I speak often about sleep but no one's mentioned that book so that's really okay. basically it looks at how important sleep is for our mental health and well-being um it's vital and i think as athletes coaches it's a, a go-to book for sure i'm going to ask you something just to feed on from that though in terms of we've talked about how people prepare you know you've come through lots of trauma and, and experiences now sat here today how do you maximize yourself how do you prepare yourself to perform at your very best both physically and mentally and you've given us some clues but in a in a nutshell how do you how do you prepare yourself to perform at your best i perform best when i'm not stressed and i I know the best way to de-stress or relax me is to be out in nature. So if I, let's say I had a busy day, I'd make sure I go for a paddleboard or a swim or I immerse myself in the environment before I go and do that. And I'll do that afterwards as well. Fantastic. What uh, advice would you give to your teenage version of yourself, given what you know now? Have confidence in yourself. <laughs> I don't know if I'll <laughs> Oh my goodness. I don't know if I would change anything because I wouldn't be where I am now, but yeah, that self-belief and that you're okay. I think to put my head up a little bit more and be heard a bit more and that's okay. And we're actually doing that now, aren't we? Putting our head up a bit more and being heard a little bit more by sharing your story, which is really fantastic. Imagine if we could have picked that up earlier on and, you know, I think lots of people would really value from that sort of guidance and advice that it's actually okay to be who they are and, and shout about that a little bit more. I think so. I think especially with young people and adults, really, um, it's all right to be yourself. It's, you know, it's like you, you just want to own who you are and stand up for what you believe. Great. Emma, I'm sure there's so many people that have influenced and impacted on you. Are there two or three people which come to mind that have, have been really pivotal that you would refer back to and say, wow, that person or at that stage in my life, they really impacted on me and changed me? My granddad, it's his birthday today, or it would have been. Oh, wow. I know. So he's with me in some way. Yeah, do you know, my granddad always was gardening up the end of our garden. So every time I came back from school, he... I would go and see him. He oh, he so excited me to go and see him. And he was, um, my granddad was a Buddhist. So right. he often told me things that only really start to make sense now. So he told me things back then, Dave. I was like, okay, granddad, I don't really get what you mean. And only now that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so connected to me now. I totally understand what he means. And it would just be, he would slip, it, it just slips something like really subtle into the conversation and I'm like, okay, 
that's you know he often talked about you know learn from the past but don't live there because it's gone but as long as you learn from it that's absolutely great live in the present because that's the now and that's all you have that's all you have so you you do live in the present and plan for the future but don't live there either so you plan for it but you're not fantasizing about a future that exists you're you're you want to be in the present right here right now because that's the only thing we do have so yeah phenomenal man um jane senior really good friend of mine really good friend i guess she's like a friend mentor um supported me for so so many years about energy management uh if i have any doubts or if i want to just have a friendly chat oh, amazing woman absolutely fascinating really really amazing person chris roberts uh who is my sort of current mentor that works with me now has worked with me for many many years and done the same you know he's heard me in tears um excited passionate about things but these guys, no matter what I went through, were like rocks. And I guess, yeah, they're my, they were, they, like my granddad's no longer with me, but they're, they're my rocks. He still is, all his words still stay with me. So, um, yeah, those guys. Oh, it just warms me to hear that, especially, you know, current ones. But that, that the, the story about actually having rocks around us is really important. And who are they? You know, and I just put that out that question because I think we should all try and recognize who and some people might come in and go out but actually at certain times there are some real key people and, and I also love it when we talk about you know people in that early childhood stage where you know looking back they've really influenced who we are and what we're all about you know and especially they, they are often close relatives you know it's just amazing yeah. so there's your mission for everyone today is go and find work out who your rocks are <laughs> Well, I, I think we should do. And, and as coaches, we both kind of help people do that, don't we? And perform that role in some ways. My very last question then would be, you know, you've shared your story today. You've included some real great insights. Bad part of your soul, which I, I really appreciate as well. Who's, um, whose sports story would you like to hear more about? And if so, why? Oh, I'll get you connected to this person. Um, talk to Sue Oldham. Now, she's in her 70s now, and she held the record for swimming the channel, the English channel. She was the oldest lady for many years that, that uh, yeah, that, that swam the English channel. And she's just, so I coach her when we're out in Perth, and she's just the most phenomenal human being in the world. She only started sport, I'm sure it was only in like her 60s or something. And oh my goodness, the stories you'll get from her and her attitude to life, you will just leave, leave feeling inspired and sparked. And she's got so many pearls of wisdom she could offer. Sold. I tell you, you've sold her to me already. She just sounds like the person we all need, actually, to just listen to and, and lap up and get the energy from by the sounds of it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. She's so, the one. I'm a brilliant, brilliant um, person to suggest there. Look, if people were keen to hear a little bit more about your story or be in contact with you to find out a bit more about what you do, you've clearly given a bit of a, uh, an insight. How might they be able to make contact with you or follow you or connect with you? Um, I'm on Instagram. Either look up Emma Brunning or Active Blue. I'm on Twitter. Or feel free to email me at emma at activeblue.co.uk. But yeah, I'd love to hear from anyone that fancies chatting further. 
Well, Emma, I would like to chat further. Uh, I hope we can have you back on here to find out the next part of your journey and your story. But thanks ever so much for giving up your time today. I really appreciate it. And I, I really appreciate your honesty and your openness because I think those sports stories and those little journeys through your life, in and out of sport, you know, you've weaved in and out of it, but sport's been a real key pivotal pillar for you. Um, it's just incredible. And I think for me anyway, you've really inspired me. And I, I know other people will have picked up little gems and just hope that you'll take one or two things away that can then go and take back into their world and apply them. So thanks ever so much for doing that. Um, and good luck with the next step. And it's great to have had you on the Sports Stories podcast. Thanks. Thanks so much, Dave. So there we have the sports story of Emma Brunning. Quite some journey it has been too. From the young, shy, yet adventurous girl right the way through to a people developer working across the world and as a business owner. It's incredible the route that Emma took. What really struck me is her energy, passion for helping others and sheer determination in the face of adversity. I was also struck by the way she spoke about her accident and the resulting brain injury. This is clearly something that is not easy to talk about yet. I was amazed when she referred on a couple of occasions that this was a positive and she wouldn't change anything and that she has taken so much learning out of the past 16 years. In fact, I'm more than amazed to have your speech, language and identity taken away from you at a really important time of your life and then find the will, resources, determination and positivity to rebuild everything was quite something. Learning from scratch how to speak and also regain many of the fundamental senses you had is just an incredible story. It's made me reflect on how we, as individuals, manage ourselves to recover from such traumas. Do we play down the enormity of the successes we have as a protective mechanism and take nothing for granted? Well, I certainly found her story humbling and amazing in equal measures, and I just love how she looks at past experiences as opportunities to learn and through a positive lens. There were so many aspects of the conversation that were thought-provoking. The two questions I have narrowed down to ask you are as follows. Please give yourself some quality time to consider them and then take action. What aspects of your life do you take for granted and how could you be more appreciative of them? The second question is, Emma spoke about the importance of energy. What are your energy in activities and what are your energy out ones? As a follow on, what are the balance of the in and out energy activities and what do you need to do to ensure a more positive balance? For me, Emma also epitomized the idea of taking small steps and total responsibility towards achieving your goals and desired behaviours. Are you up for doing the same? Well, as always, please let me know how you are doing with your own development or the actions you have identified as a result of the questions. The best way to make contact is via the website www.sportstories247.com or via Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. The feedback on the podcasts have been tremendous and I really appreciate you taking the time to make contact. If you're wanting to find out more about what I am doing with my people development, executive coaching and coach development work, or wanting to make contact with Emma, then please look for further contact details on the podcast show notes. It just leaves me to say a few thank yous as a way of signing off. Thank you to Emma for being another fabulous open and sharing guest. Thank you to the team supporting me pull the podcast and the Developing Sports Stories Academy together. Your support is really appreciated. And lastly, thank you for listening engaging, commenting and supporting the podcast. We have some brilliant guests lined up and further exciting developments in the pipeline and without you we couldn't do this. So have a great week and I look forward to you joining me Dave Levine next week on the Sports Stories podcast.